Welcome to the Eye on the Cure podcast, the podcast about winning the fight against retinal disease from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Eye on the Cure podcast. I am Ben Shaberman, Senior Director of Scientific Outreach at the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Glad everyone could join us again for another episode of the podcast. And today, I'm delighted to have Morten Bunder, and he is from Copenhagen, which is exciting. Now, Morten is Senior Art Director at Lego Group. He has a wife, two kids, and he also has retinitis pigmentosa, and his journey inspired him to write a book called Sentenced to Blindness, Now What?, and Uh, The subhead for the book is A Journey from Hopelessness Street to Possibility Road. And it's available. I know it's on Amazon because I looked it up and it's gotten great reviews. And um, it's also available in audio, if I am correct. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. And that's been out about a year thus far. Yeah, a little less than a year in okay. in English and uh, almost two years now in Danish. Okay. So for our Danish listeners, there's a Danish version. That That's exciting. So to, to just start off the story, I, I want to get into your book a little more. But obviously, again, you have retinitis pigmentosa. And I'm just curious what your journey has been like with that condition, um, when in your life you started to realize you had vision issues, and then um, when you got diagnosed and really began to deal with the condition? Yeah, you know, I was uh, 29, it was in 2002, when after having um, had a break from playing a, a game in here in Denmark called badminton, I don't know what it's called, or if it even is is known in the states but yeah, it is we, a game almost we almost have like badminton that. but it, it's it's something we tend to play at picnics yeah yeah <laughs> it's not a big yeah, game yeah. but anyway. here in denmark we actually uh we are actually high on the on the world um in the world when when playing in tournaments and and i was uh, playing that a lot when i was a kid and i had a break until the age of uh, 29, almost 10 years, I wasn't playing. And, and I noticed when I was playing with my colleagues that the, the, the I don't know, what, what what is the name of it? You had the name of the ball, which is not a ball. It's Right. It's called a shuttlecock. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the shuttlecock. Yeah, it kind of disappeared in thin air all the time. And um, it was kind of curious and people were wondering what was going on. And I was encouraged to... Um, to go to an ophthalmologist and after visiting several ophthalmologists they couldn't really see, find what was wrong so I was sent to Copenhagen which is the uh, the capital of Denmark and and there they noticed or saw that I had this first stages of uh, retinitis pigmentosa and uh, that was in um, that was in 2002 so uh, the journey is that I decided because I had I had just started as an art director creative in the commercial commercial industry, advertising industry. And uh, you couldn't really see a really splendid career in front of me if I told people that I was going to lose my sight. 
So I kind of just, you know, lived with it without sharing it with many. So, so during the course of those years until approximately 2014, 15, 16, I started experiencing, you know, hiccups in daily work because um, I was, everything was just getting more and more complicated. And um, I visited the, the ophthalmologist again. I hadn't been there for almost seven years and it turned out that I was uh, legally blind, <laughs> which um, left me with a vision of approximately four degrees. So wow. looking through a tunnel, look, wow. looking for a tunnel all the time, yeah. And, and you were working as an art director. Yeah, I was well, obviously I was, vision, vision was, yeah. was an important part of your role. Yeah, I was I was approving you know million dollar uh, dollar commercials that um, that I was uh, leading the production of those. So we, I was in the film studio in a dark film studio with you know millions of obstacles to navigate through and and um, for some some reason I just did it. Uh, I just loved doing it and didn't want to face that I was actually slowly becoming blind. Wow. So for the first. I guess maybe 12 or so years, you just kind of wrote it out and, and didn't yeah. really try to um, address the issue. You just moved forward in your career. But then I guess around 2015, 2016, yeah. you had a realization or a, or a transformation, you might call yeah. it. Yeah, it sounds so grandiose and <laughs> so larger than life, but it was almost like that because uh, I had been through, you know, since, yeah, I think, think since 15, mid 15 to around uh, the end of 16, I had been on this sort of confusing journey of finding out what can I, what can I do? We know when I'm slowly becoming blind and my identity is really about being a visual, you know, art director working for the Lego group. What, what am I going to do in my life? So, so I had this sort of fall in self-esteem, self-worth, you know, identity crisis, call it what you want. I was around 40. So it kind of, yeah, makes sense that you around that age start looking back also, but I will, everything was sort of also impacted by vision loss. And I had this moment when I was sitting in, in what we call in Denmark, the job center, which is a place where you get help if you have to find a job or if you need a guidance into a new career or, or get new training or whatever. And uh, I was sitting there and I had this sort of profound moment where for a moment, I felt that it was indifferent if I was alive or not. It sounds like, like it sounds very dramatic, but it was not like I was suicidal or anything, but I was just asking myself, you know, if I'm not all the things that I think I am, will I be anything? And at that moment, that kind of released, you know, all the identities, they were just falling off like in one big clash. And uh, I had this, this epiphany that, you know, this voice almost in my head saying, Morten, what do you want out of life? And that was just a major moment in beginning to look at myself and figuring out how can I, you know, how can I somehow um, change my perspective on becoming blind? You know, can I, can I change that around and see it from a different, different viewpoint?
Right. It it sounds like you basically had to hit rock bottom to really find a way out or up. Yeah. Or for, I guess forward is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. This all happened, it sounds like, in a short period of time. It, 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 it really happened uh, during this visit to the job center that yeah. you... That you had, as you called it, your epiphany. So, yeah. what happened after that? Well, it almost took half a year. I started from there, asking you know myself questions and and uh, looking at uh, you know knowledge that could help me, you know, lift myself up from this dark place that I was in because I was suffering severely from stress and uh, my body was impacted by it. And, and depression. So I was really in a bad place. So I started really looking for knowledge and I uh, started listening to audiobooks massively, like through almost six months until the summer of 17, where I decided that I wanted to create a new version of myself, one that can see possibilities in life instead of limitations. And that sounds also very like a headline, but you know, I, I didn't make those headlines because uh, that was what I had been doing for you know my entire career, making, coming up with ideas, visualizing, you know scenarios, and then manifest it or realize them. And I said, why can't I do that in my life? Why can I only do that in my professional career? Why can't I imagine what I want to become like and then try to realize it? So you were listening to these books. Were there? certain books in particular that were very inspirational yeah there there are very philosophy philosophical oh, I, I always stumble on that word philosophical Phil that philosophical. philosophical yeah that's it <laughs> yeah and uh, there were there were a couple of books and there were many uh, but uh, i think one book that in particularly made me stop was a book by um, Viktor Frankl, which uh, was a, uh, he was a um, psychiatrist ex experiencing going through the nightmares of being in uh, Auschwitz concentration camp in Second World War. And uh, he had this, he had this, um, he noticed that people who had a meaning in life, who had something to look forward to, a goal or a purpose, they survived. While people who didn't have that, they perished fairly quickly in, in the concentration camps. And he had this quote where he says, if you can't change a situation, then you are challenged to change yourself. And that was that was really, really an eye-opener for me because I could see, you know, I, I don't compare like <laughs> what he had been going through, but I could see similarities that I can't change the blindness. You know, that's a given. Right now, where we are in, you know, science and medical and, you know, no, all those things. And no, there's nothing that can change right now that I am becoming blind. So I have to live with that. So do I want that to decide the life that I'm going to live or am I going to decide that? And that was uh, that was one of the, the the starting points. And also, there was a book by Eckhart Tolle, which is called The Power of Now, which also was an eye opener into realizing that there is no time other than right now. Everything else is 
something you in your mind make up or something you try to remember from the past and you can only live your life right now in this moment so there were there were two very important books there wow you really got some powerful insights from um uh victor frankel and the other person is tolly you said yeah ick ickhart tolly 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 very very powerful so you were subsequently inspired to write your own book. And yeah. how did that come about? What, what well, is- that, that was, yeah, then, you know, the, the first idea that I got was that after researching how you can change your mindset, because what I realized was you don't just do that from one day to the other. Like you can tell yourself, now I want to be a person who can see possibilities, but, you know, in your life, you do what you always do. So how can you change your habits? And how can you change all those, you know, uh, things that you have taught yourself through a whole life? You know, when you're 40, you know how to do things, you just do them, you are an autopilot, you don't have to think that much. So, so I said, I, I, what I read and what I learned was that if you have to change a pattern, you have to do it again and again and again. And here was a as a, here was an opportunity for me to do something that could change the way that I was looking at my um, obstacles in life. So I said to myself, you know, you have to give yourself some tasks, some assignments that will last almost through half a year in order for you to change your automatic reactions um, on, on problems that you encounter in life. So the book became sort of a journal or a something that could keep me focused on training myself to see things differently and um so so i i came up with those the four challenges which are mentioned in the third part of the book um who were going to challenge how i was dealing with negativity in my own you know inner voice talking me down all the time and um fear and worry, which was very, very present in my life because I was always concerned about what was going to happen in the future. And then the way that I was dealing with limitations in general. And in the end, how I train myself to share, tell stories that can inspire people to take back control in their life. So it became sort of, I could see that, you know, Victor Frankl's, you know, insights into you have to have a purpose. You have to have a meaningful uh, journey in order f- to, you know, overcome problems in your life. And uh, I said, oh, well, this is actually meaningful for me to share this whole journey with people who might be in the same situation. And um, I'm also myself reading the book actually frequently because I tend to forget what I was, you know, writing to myself. So, so that was the, that was the idea. And it, it sounds like a book, obviously it, might be helpful and meaningful to somebody who's going through vision loss or maybe losing some other um, ability uh, or um, grieving something else in their life. But it sounds like it could be helpful to really anybody just to find uh, a better path forward. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I experience right now that people who, you know, from all different ages and from all different cultures and uh, 
uh, careers are actually embracing this book now. And I think the reason why they do that, because I'm touching on something very essential, and that is the fact that often or almost always, it's never the situation that we are in that is the problem, but our thoughts about the situation, our own judgments about what it is that we experience is what creates the problem. And that may sound a little, you know, if you, if you think about it, it's like, no, no, because I'm blind. That's a, you know, that's nothing about thinking. Yeah, but you can, you can decide to think about it in a different way. Yeah, I made a deal with the universe. I said, the universe, if you're going to take away degrees of my vision, then for every degree of vision you take, I want that back as inner vision, wisdom. So I give something and I get something. And that's a new way of thinking about it. And um, so I, I train myself in always shift my uh, own inner dialogue into something that that I can benefit from instead of that it brings me down. And uh, that's where I come back to this, this very potent uh, lesson that it's actually our own thoughts and judgments about the situations that we are in that make them a problem. It sounds like you've really found a way to empower yourself to um, just move forward in a, a more healthy and positive direction. So I want I want to talk more about Lego bricks. <laughs> so I have to confess, growing up here in the U.S., I was sort of a Hot Wheels and GI Joes kind of guy. I didn't I didn't play with Lego bricks very much. But I understand they're really popular in Denmark. Yeah, and in, in I think whole whole Europe, and especially Northern Europe, uh, Germany, and and Scandinavian countries. Uh, but today, it's you know it's everywhere, right? I think I think it's Lego is sort of on on the map all around the world. And uh, yeah, I was uh, I was I was I was raised in the home country of the Lego brick, and that of course was you know in in almost every home when i was a child everyone had lego bricks and um and we were playing um, and building huge worlds and crafts and planes and you know everything and uh so yeah it, lego has been a huge part of my life it, it's almost using lego bricks to create these new things it's almost like a metaphor for your journey in a way. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, you have been um, a fan of Lego bricks, uh, obviously when you were a kid and um, further on in your adulthood, how did you get hooked into the company? Well, it was, I think maybe when I look back and analyze a little bit upon it, I think back in 2009, I probably felt the first signs of, uh, burnout, uh, probably, from being in this industry. And uh, maybe it was actually more an escape from what I was doing rather than seeking opportunities. Uh, I think when I look back at it, I write a little bit. There is a chapter about um, me, my, my years in the, the Lego group. And, and um, so, so I just said, okay, I need to do something else. And what I was doing in the advertising industry uh, was very, you know, short term deadlines they were like you know one week and then you had to, to deliver everything and the lego 
kind of the Lego way of working was more like long term, like we had longer time to come up with concepts and ideas. And it was less, in a, in a way, less visual because I was more an inventor of stories than actually sitting in front of the computer and and working on visuals. So um, that was that was what I did um, when I started um, at the Lego group. And I for many years, I, I, I wrote the scripts for the Lego City commercials, those that were aired on all the cartoon networks and all that, all those places, and also the mini movies. And, uh, so, so it was more like a story, storyteller than a visual. Um, yeah, um, craftsman or what you can call it. So is there a particular story or project that is memorable for you or you're particularly proud of? Well, I think there's so many. I think I've, I've done over 40, 40 TV commercials uh, through all those oh. years. But uh, so I can't really pinpoint one. There were, we did sort of a brand commercial for Lego City a couple of years ago. I think it was in 18, which was uh, with some really, really skilled people from Hollywood and around. It was, that was just amazing. That was, that was an extra you know, level of detail in the CGI, you know, the computer and created animations. And so that was what was really cool to do. But I, I think other than that, it, was, it has been uh, to be involved in the Lego Braille Bricks uh, project, which is... Um, a, a project started by the Lego Foundation, and um, it, it it literally takes the two by four brick and tra and transform and transform them into the Braille alphabet. And uh, it's just the uh, when I saw that the first time, I just had, I had goosebumps and my just like, uh -huh. wow, that's that's amazing. I want to I want to be involved in this. So so for, so when they launched it, I was um, the spokesperson for for the project and i uh, attended in some 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 early uh tests uh, in in a, in schools in england and that i'm really that was just a hard close to my heart project to be involved in and uh, amazing that really sounds like an amazing experience and it's heartening to know that the lego group is is doing things to accommodate people who don't have vision um how long have you been at Lego Group now? Wasn't nine, so it's about yeah, it's about eleven, eleven wow. years. I'm not well, maybe yeah, around around eleven years. Yeah. Well, congratulations! It, no, it thank you. Like a good relationship. You're thriving, and uh, it's it's interesting to hear uh, about the stories that can be told through Lego bricks. So, yeah. my final question is um, what would you tell other people who might be listening, who are on their journey of dealing with an inherited retinal disease like RP or maybe Stargardt disease where vision loss is progressive? Maybe they're at an earlier stage or maybe at a later stage. What, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think I think it it sounds fairly easy, but it is really something you have to pay no or spend some time in doing. And I think it's it's it is to make peace with the condition that you have. So stray, start 
um, seeing this uh, condition that you have as sort of a companion throughout life that will teach you many, many valuable lessons. And, and it comes back, it comes back to how you choose to look at this condition that you have. And, and I think the more that you fight it and you go against it and it makes, make, make it an enemy, the more difficult life will become because you, you always have that enemy very, very close to you. It's, it's in you. So, so it is to make peace with it and accept, almost accept it as if you have chosen it yourself. And I know that sounds much more easier than done, but that's, that's the journey I have been on. And I think that I've more or less accomplished that by getting to know myself much better through mindfulness meditation and meditation in general, you know, paying attention to what is going on inside my head. You know, what am I thinking all the time? Is it something that is lifting me up or is it something that's taking me down? And by paying attention to those things, and I have a, an exercise in the book called uh, Stop Swap Thought. And it is an exercise I did for 30 days where I, every time I noticed that I had a, you know, a negative judgment on things, I would say, stop swap thought and then I would try to see it from a different perspective and that kind of started the journey of always evaluating what it is that I am judging out there and um, and then shift the narrative in my head around well it it sounds like you've reached a, a pretty impressive level of self-awareness and self-empowerment so congratulations and again, I want to remind our listeners that Morton's book is called Sentence to Blindness, <laughs> Now What? And it's available on Amazon. There is an audio version. I presume that's audible. Um, so you can pick that up. And as always, uh, for our listeners, if you have questions about the podcast, you can send them via email to podcast at fightingblindness.org. Morton, thank you from, for coming to us all the way from Copenhagen. As we record this, it's in the morning here on the East Coast. I know it's later in your day uh, over in Denmark, um, and I appreciate you making the time to uh, do this podcast with me. It's been really inspirational and enjoyable. And again, congratulations on the book and just all the great work you've done in moving forward in your life. So thanks again, Morton. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm really grateful for that. Okay. Everyone, please tune in for our next episode. And thank you all for joining us. This has been Eye on the Cure. To help us win the fight, please donate at foundationfightingblindness.org.